Thanks for listening. Join us now for Perry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. So I don't know if you've ever wondered this. I have. Where was Jesus when I made my worst mistake? And what was the look on his face? I've thought about this. I think about these kinds of things. Jessica Thompson is with us. She is an author of several books. We're talking about her latest. She's a speaker as well. She's part of a podcast, Front Porch with the Fitzes. Say that times, 10 times really fast. She's the director of church life at Risen Church in San Diego, California. Mm -hmm. And the book we're talking about, SoCal Girl, California, Mm -hmm. California Shauna. And the book we're talking about is He Loved Them. It's her latest, Discovering Jesus' Heart for Seekers, Sinners, Doubters, and the Discouraged, and Other People Like You and Me. God's love, you know, for me, I so desperately need and I'm so grateful for. But if we mm-hmm. can if we can just get really honest here for a minute. Okay, the book is called mm-hmm. He Loved Them, Discovering Jesus' mm-hmm. Heart for Seekers, Sinners, Doubters, and the Discouraged, and other people like us. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. is my theology, that Jesus loves mm-hmm. us and he loves us deeply and he loves everyone. When mm-hmm. I hear a story or read an article, I hear on the news about a woman who was assaulted or a child that has mm-hmm. been abducted or abused, mm-hmm. like there's an emotion that rises up in me. Mm-hmm. How do we reconcile this truth of God's scandalous love mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. he's called us to love when we wrestle with, when we mm-hmm. wrestle with it? Yeah. I mean, I would say this, like we can't get it twisted. God hates abuse. And let me just, as an aside, say that if you are in a relationship where that is happening, you need to seek help. God's not asking you to stay in a relationship where you're like, you're saying a woman is, is being abused. So here's what I would say. God hates that type of sin, right? God hates sin. But even for that person, there is hope. I think even for that person, there can be a turning. And I, and I guess the, the part that's hopeful in that to me, God is a God of justice. We know that about him. The part that's hopeful for, because I can say that and be like, yeah, I hope that person gets theirs. But then I have to think, oh, mm-hmm. that applies to me too. Mm-hmm. God is, is a God of justice, but he's also a God of love. And somehow, inexplicably, and because we're humans, we will never understand this, how he can hold this tension of justice and love perfectly. How he can hold that tension perfectly is beyond anything that we can do. That's why he's God and we're not. But what we can understand is as he's a God that holds justice and love, the intention perfectly, we can understand that people who sin grievously, unless they repent, will meet that God of justice. But we can also understand that people who sin sin grievously, like you and I do, also, and maybe not in that way, but in some ways, right? People who sin grievously, if we repent, we'll meet the God of love. And so how he does that, I don't understand. How he he sees somebody who has done something that we would, you know, we would rank sin. And some sins do affect others in a, in a more terrible way. 
That is true. So me telling my kids and being angry at them doesn't affect them in the same way as someone who would be abusing someone else. That is absolutely true. But the promise remains. Come to me, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The promise remains. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive them. And so that promise is true for all sides of the spectrum. And and I guess... Our heart posture should be one that if God is willing to forgive them and accept people that have done horrible things, that we should also follow suit. Now, that does not mean uh, that if by forgiving an abuser, you put yourself back in an Mm -hmm. abusive situation. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that that means that. I believe that you can forgive and create distance and set boundaries. I think that that's healthy and right and good. But God can somehow do both. (laughs) He can somehow be a God of justice and a God of love and welcome the worst of the worst. And honestly, in some ways, it's good for us to see the worst in ourselves and recognize the worst in ourselves and say, God even welcomes me. God even loves me. God will even forgive me. Yeah. You know, I can relate this to a time in my life when I really scarred somebody. I really hurt Mm. them. Where was Jesus in that? You know, so I mm-hmm. ask myself that mm-hmm. and where mm-hmm. Jesus was, mm-hmm. I picture Jesus on the cross in that moment, mm-hmm. taking the justice. God is just mm-hmm. taking the justice right. for my injustice in that moment. Mm-hmm. So for the person that I scarred, God is bringing his justice instead of on me, mm-hmm. on his son. Mm-hmm. And then I see mm-hmm. Jesus pouring out his blood for me the one who has mm-hmm. scarred somebody so deeply and he loves mm-hmm. me. That's how mm-hmm. I can bring it to not just the, uh, the person that's been abused, but the person mm-hmm. that I've scarred. Mm-hmm. Jesus right. was there Absolutely. in that moment doing yeah. that. Like you said, this love is scandalous. Mm-hmm. It goes where it shouldn't go. I just think there's so many of us that hold in our hearts. Yeah, but not for this. Yeah, but I've done this one too many times. Yeah, but I just can't believe that's true for me. You don't know me. You don't know what I've done. And while we don't know, uh, he does. The Bible talks about how the sins of the world were laid upon him. All the sins of the world were laid upon the beautiful head of Jesus Christ. And I am so grateful, Jessica, Shauna, Ben, and you, I'm so grateful that Jesus came for the worst of sinners because I feel like I'm in that club mm-hmm. and, you know, he came, he came, he didn't come for the righteous, the word says, right. you know, he came for the sinners and that's the, that's the appeal of Jesus for me. Right. And there's no us and them. There's just us. There's just us and we True. all need Jesus. Yep. So. There's this Judas guy in the Bible, you know, and he yeah. he didn't get to get forgiven. It's almost like mm-hmm. the Bible does paint a picture like that guy mm-hmm. was fatalistically mm-hmm. determined to end mm-hmm. up in hell. And yeah. there, there are people who feel like I'm Judas. There's just mm-hmm. no way that God mm-hmm. can forgive me. Mm-hmm. Do you think that Judas could have been forgiven? 
I absolutely do think that. And I think the difference between Judas and Peter, who both really screwed up that day, I think the difference is Peter heard a word of forgiveness from his friends. Peter heard in community, you don't have to do this alone. Like, remember who Jesus was. Peter was around community. And I think the difference is Judas didn't have that. Judas went out by himself and Judas did what he did. I believe that if Judas would have been around others who would have drawn him back in and said, man, this is bad, but remember who he is. Think of who he's forgiven. I think, and I there, I know people don't believe this. There are people that don't. So right. this is my personal opinion. Yeah. I think that Judas would have been forgiven if he would have had a community of grace reminding him of who Jesus really was and what Jesus' heart was. But like Jessica, did. he did. I mean, they were in the same group. They were in the same community. The difference there right. was Peter's choice to be That's vulnerable. What I'm exactly. So Judas didn't avail himself if that community of grace. Judas went out by himself while Peter ended up back with the group right? Judas didn't. Peter ends up back with the group. They know what he's done. They remind him of Jesus. Judas does not end up back with the group. And that's the difference to me. So do I think he could have been saved? Do I think he could have been forgiven? Yeah, but that was not what he chose, right? He decides not to go back to the group. What it does for me is it tells me that my vulnerability matters. Like I can be around, I can be around fantastic people, but if I'm not being honest about my, the posture of my heart and the stuff that I'm wrestling with, even though I'm surrounded by them, I can totally miss out on what that could mean for me. And also I think that the deeper part with it is with the vulnerability, like, are you going to go back to the group after you've done something horrible? And if you say, no, I'm not, you're not being vulnerable. Well, he was never vulnerable, really. I believe there had to be a time where there was something in Jesus that drew Judas to that group, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So did Judas go back to the group and say, I messed up? That's that vulnerability mm-hmm. piece. That's that wholeheartedness. That's that being a whole human being, bringing all of yourself even your screw-ups to your group of people, to your community of grace. Peter was able to do that. Judas was not. Whether or not Judas could have been forgiven, you know, I sort of lean towards what, Jessica, what you're saying, but whether or not, you know, Judas could have been forgiven, he can forgive you no matter what you've done. It's just, you know, turn whenever you turn, whenever we turn, whenever I turn, let me put it on me, whenever I turn, there's the father mm. waiting for me to come home. Every single time we get to repent. Repentance is a gift and I get to repent every single time I fail. Yeah. If you're, if you're actually kind of rolling around that question in your mind today, like God, could God forgive me even given what I have done, read through the story in the scriptures about the prodigal son and how the father greeted him, you know, He's, he's practicing his whole speech, his whole way back about how he's going to beg for forgiveness. And the father wraps his arms around him, lavishes with him with love, throws him a party and says, you are my son. Reinstates him in the family, right? That's Jesus's heart. That's the father's heart towards you today. What does it look like in your life to wonder, does Jesus really love me? Do I really believe that? What does that look like for you? That's a great question. I think it looks 
at times it looks different than what we expect it to. And and what I mean by that that is this. I think that like something happens and we immediately go to like something bad happens in our lives and we immediately go to rehearsing the ways that we've done wrong. We immediately go to the ways that rehearsing the ways that we have failed. Then instead of taking that, whether that's right or wrong, like maybe this is of no fault of your own that something has happened. And then you start rehearsing, oh, maybe this happened because I did this or I did this or I did this. And instead of taking that to the Lord, instead of going to prayer, we turn to introspection. We turn to, okay, what have I done wrong in order for this to happen? I think that that is a a way that you can see that you question Christ's love for you. Because if we really believe that Jesus loves us, this I know for the Bible tells me so, right? like if we really believe that, if we really believe the Jesus that we talk about or that we, we see talked about in the Gospels, if we really believe that Jesus loves us, when we're in a time of tragedy or a time where something goes wrong, immediately we would turn to Him. And especially, especially when we have sinned. I think a lot of times when we sin, we don't then turn to Jesus and don't then ask for forgiveness. We feel like in a way we've got to make it up before we can come back around Mm -hmm. to that. So uh, let's just say that I've done something that I know I shouldn't do. When I had younger kids, my kids are all older now, thank God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I was not one of those moms that really enjoyed having younger kids. Uh, I, I didn't. I, I don't feel like I thrived during that part mm-hmm. in my life. And so let's just say there was a day where I got really angry at them and I yelled at them, and I shouldn't have done that. Like, I really let my anger show in the way I spoke to them. Now, if I really believed that Jesus loved me, what I would do is immediately run to him. Gosh, uh, Father, forgive me. Jesus, forgive me. Let me believe that you love me even in this moment. Instead of what I would typically do, which is try to be super nice and make it up to my kids and try to make it up to Jesus and then go to him later. I think it's in that moment where do we really believe what Hebrews says when it says, you have a high priest who's sympathetic with you in your weaknesses, a high priest who understands exactly what you're going through. And then those next verses say, so come boldly to the throne of grace. And I think that we think it's, you have a high priest that you can ask for forgiveness for. So um, make it up and then come timidly to the throne of get your act together. And that is not at all who Jesus is. So that is a very long answer to your question. But I think for me, it's not exactly like me sitting around questioning, does Jesus love me? It's how do I respond in moments of hardship? How do I respond when I've sinned against somebody else? How do I respond when I've blown it yet again? And if I go to him, I believe he loves me. If I do anything else, it's a function of unbelief. It's a function of me saying, I don't think he really loves me because I'm a real screw up. And that, for me, I think is where it shows up in my life. Now, that might not show up in your life that way. But for me, as I've prayed about this and asked the Holy Spirit to reveal this to me, I think for me, this is where it really shows up in my life. When I blow it, I run to Jesus. I run to Jesus. But I I get that whole thing about, I'm going to wait till 
the father kind of warms up and maybe then he'll accept me. But, but now when I blow it, I run to Jesus. And so just encourage you to do that as well. We're talking with Jessica Thompson. I was just having a conversation with a friend yesterday about this very thing about like waiting until the father warms up. But here's my thing. I was saying, you know, in the story of the prodigal son, how the prodigal son as he's waking, making his way back. He spends the whole journey back to the father, figuring out his speech. Right. right I'm going to open with, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm going to go to, right. and I'm going to grovel a little bit and I'm just going to ask for like the bare minimum, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. I get that. And I feel like lately the Lord has been saying, Shauna, Skip the speech. Right. Just come to the party. (laughs) You know, just come back to the party. Come back to the Father. Just show up. Yeah, just show up. There's somebody listening right now who feels like they've out sinned God's grace. Mm. Yeah. They're a denier. They've denied Jesus by the way they've lived. They've betrayed Jesus like Mm -hmm. Judas betrayed Jesus. And Mm -hmm. they, they wonder if there's any hope. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you look at both of those stories, and even Thomas, right? Doubting Thomas. These are three men who spent the bulk of Jesus' ministry with him, saw him, saw the miracles he did, walked with him, had deep communion and relationship with him. And you have these three stories coming out of those those 12 men, <laughs> which is wild to me. So let's look at Peter and the way he denies Jesus. And you see during the Last Supper, you see Jesus talking to Peter. And he says this to Peter, which is just so interesting to me. He says, you know what? First of all, he's like, someone's going to betray me. And Peter's like, oh, I never will. Mm-hmm. I would never, I would, I would die for you, Jesus. And a lot of times when we're in a, like a heightened state of love for Jesus, we would say the same thing. I would die for you, Jesus. I would never do that. And Jesus looks at Peter and he says, you know what, my friend, <laughs> you are going to deny me three times. And what's so interesting to me about that is he doesn't say to Peter, hey, I've got a little intel, some inside knowledge, some may say, and and you, I think you're going to deny me three times. Um, What I'm going to ask you to do is try really hard not to do that. Mm -hmm. Don't do it. He doesn't say that. Jesus says to Peter is you're going to deny me three times. And after you've done that, he says, I'm going to pray for you that your faith won't fail. And I want you to turn and strengthen your brother's turn around and strengthen people with what you've just gone through, which is so opposite of the way we act. We or what we think. We think if Peter would go through and he's like, don't deny me. And then tell everybody what a good job you did not denying me. And that's going to give other people strength. And that's not what Jesus says. And he says to him, you're going to deny me. And I'm going to pray for you that your faith won't fail. You're going to do the biggest screw up that you've probably done to this point. And I'm going to pray for you that your faith will continue, which is just so beautiful to me. And so in the middle of our worst things that we've done, Jesus is praying that we'll still believe that we're loved and forgiven. He's praying that our faith won't fail. And then when we turn from that, when we turn from denying, then Jesus is calling us like he called Peter to then go and encourage other people. Look what he brought me through. Look what I just did and he still loves me. And and so we see that very thing happen, right? Peter denies Jesus three times. And then after the resurrection, Jesus comes to Peter. Peter denies 
Jesus three times at a charcoal fire. And then we see that same picture, a charcoal fire by the water, the only two times that type of fire is mentioned in that gospel. We see Jesus back at the same place asking Peter three times, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Like he's telling him, okay, now what happened at the other charcoal fire happened? And now Mm -hmm. I want you to strengthen your brothers. He asks him three times. And finally on the third, each time Peter's like, you know, I do, you know, I do. Finally at the third time, Peter says this, he says, you know, Lord, you know, all things, Mm -hmm. you know what I did. It's, it's Peter's confession. You know me. You know all things, and you know I love you. And in essence, what he's saying is, you know how weak my love is. You you know how I failed you. But yeah, I still do love you. And Jesus is just like, right. I do know you. I love you. Now feed my people. Take care of my sheep. See, we think the things that we do wrong disqualify us. And what? Jesus saying right here is the thing that you did wrong. I want you to use that, use that knowledge, use that experience, use all of that to now love on my people. Mm. It's so, it's such an upside down kingdom. Yeah, right. (laughs) It's so contrary to what we think it should be. Yeah, I want to hide the messy stuff about my life and present the impressive stuff about my life. But that's not the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus is to open up my mess so that I can say, Jesus forgave me, Mm -hmm. and to bring hope to others. And that's the way of the kingdom. Yeah, and it just, you know, we're all in need of a Savior. And so I I do believe that when we're honest about our own stuff, it kind of, it's almost like a little breadcrumb trail (laughs) for others to, you know, to follow and to find Jesus and to know that He does love them. The brokenness of our hearts, you know, the things that we've experienced that have wounded us, they cause us to put up Mm. walls to protect ourselves, to protect Mm -hmm. our hearts Mm -hmm. from further pain. But those same walls that we put up, they're obstacles to receiving the perfect love Mm. from the Father. So Mm. talk Mm -hmm. a little bit about the importance of being able to receive God's love personally. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Right. So in those parts of your life where maybe they feel too tender, they feel like you've got to guard them. They feel like if you open it up at all, you're going to be broken. Um, I would just say like you look at Jesus who goes to the woman who was caught in adultery, goes to the woman of ill repute, lets her come to him and shed tears and kiss his feet like he will welcome you and there's something about his love that is brings resurrection life there's something about his love that heals us that calvary love that heals us and restores us and so the parts of our life that feel too painful um, to be opened up and to be touched by love he's calling you he's calling you to be restored, to be healed, to experience resurrection life that in places that we thought were dead, right? What does God do? He raises people from the dead. He gives life and light to places that seem dark and dead. And so while that may be painful, I'm not going to say, hey, 
it's going to be amazingly easy. (laughs) While it may be painful, it's always worth it. And to be a whole human being, to have those parts of your life uncovered, laid bare, but to have a healing balm placed on them, while it may be painful, that healing is worth the pain. And let me just add this to real quickly. If you never open up those places, and you know you're not, there still will be a day when you are restored fully. My encouragement is to open them up now mm-hmm. and prepare for that day. Yeah. But there still will be a day where Jesus says no sickness. Mm-hmm. Uh, God says no sickness, no sin, no sadness. God himself, Revelation says this, God himself will wipe away every tear from our eyes. How tender and beautiful is that picture. So while you may not experience full mental, physical, emotional healing here, there is coming a day where you will. This just makes me think, Jessica and Shauna and you listening, you know, what does it take to, you know, just thinking about my own life, but what does it take to take that risk and open up my heart when I've been so hurt and so I put up walls Mm -hmm. from being loved and I shut out what I really need, you know, what does it take to, to let that, let those walls, to, to break those walls down? It's risky. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, I think personally, I need to be sitting in the Father's love and let his love wash over me. I need to regularly be hearing the truth, you know, about how he feels about me and that I'm safe in his arms that I'm going to be with him forever and ever that he's with me right now. Those are the things that give me the courage to be vulnerable and, and share stuff that's embarrassing. Um, or I just think if I, if I said it out loud, if you knew that I had these thoughts or that I wrestled with these things, you probably, you know, wouldn't want anything to do with me. Yeah. I think for me, you know, looking way back when I was full of shame you know, Jesus actually just supernaturally broke through the walls himself. Mm-hmm. And I experienced God's love. So there was that, you know, just kicking down the door kind of thing. Yeah. But now it, it is, it is that too. He still breaks down the door, but it's, it's reminding myself of who God is and what he's like and letting that sink into my heart and, you know, taking the leap of faith that, that God is not this angry deity but he really is the God who so loved the world and mm. loved me. Uh, it, it is risky. You mm-hmm. got to take, you, you really do have to, I think it's Lord help me. It, it help me to take the risk to open up my heart. Right. And you have to unravel to our um, acceptance um, being wrapped in our performance. Like you have to separate the two, right? Like if I, f- because if I feel like, um, I'm not going to be accepted if I'm really known, if I'm really understood, then I'll just keep those secret parts secret. You know what I mean? I just won't talk about them. I just won't share them. But if I know that, oh my goodness, I'm so loved and Jesus covered everything, I can be more open about this, you know, the, the places that aren't the shiny parts that, you know, you put forward. I can, I can be honest with those. And I think it is there's wisdom too in who you choose to be vulnerable with. Yeah. And, you know, you probably don't want to post on social media your latest sin, no. you know, but Never having done that, <laughs> no, who, <laughs> who wants to do that? Right. We only 
we only put our good stuff on social media, but I think, you know, having somebody that, you know, walks with Jesus and being able to be honest and open with them and vulnerable with them is a good starting place. Jessica, somebody's listening right now and they're in that place where when they mm-hmm. blow it, they feel like I'm a complete screw up. I'm going to wait till mm-hmm. God warms up a little bit before I bring mm-hmm. my, my mm-hmm. junk to him. How do they get mm-hmm. to that place where they can just immediately come to knowing that God loves them and wants them to come with their failure? I really think, I mean, this is something that we will continue to work on until we see him face to face. For those of us that struggle in this way, uh, for those of us who struggle thinking that our good works is what makes God loves us, that we somehow have to climb our way up to God instead of remembering that He's a God that comes down to us. But the prayer is, the prayer is that we would be quicker and quicker at returning to, at repentance, at reminding ourselves that He loves us. See, we think our failures is what keeps God away from us. We think our failures is like what you said, makes God cold to us. But in fact, what I've seen as I've looked through the Gospels, what I've seen over and over again, is that the people with failures, the people with junk, Those are the people that Jesus was drawn to over and over and over again. Those are the people that Jesus sought out. Those are the people that Jesus was like, I'm going to your house today. And so the very things that we think keep him away from us, the very things, the parts in our lives that we want to hide from him, those are the very things that Jesus went straight after. And those are the very things that he felt compassion towards, like there was a pull in him, in his heart to go towards that in people, because his heart is one of love, his heart is one of forgiveness, his heart is one of restoration. So he wants to take the very broken, uh, the most broke part of our lives, and he wants to go straight to that and bring healing and restoration. So I think that that is an ongoing process in our lives, praying that the Holy Spirit would remind us over and over again, this news, this good news, this gospel, it's not too good to be true. Thanks for listening to Barry and Shauna Replay. To learn more, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.